And he's funny. Time for the show. We live in a divided world, divided religiously, politically, and economically. Oftentimes in our world, we want to run away from tough conversations that divide us about grief, pain, and loss. We want to avoid topics like shame, guilt, and pride. We'd rather escape to our phones instead of engaging in real conversations. I know this because I do this. So I created the Winter Faith Podcast. The Winter Faith Podcast is focused on creating conversations to promote spiritual and emotional growth through faith, apathy, and everything in between. So let's talk to each other. Yet more importantly, let's listen to each other. Let's continue the conversation. My name is Andy, and I have Winter Faith. Let's get into it. Today is a special bonus episode in honor of Rachel Held Evans, the author who died at a way too early age, age 37. This is a bonus episode because it actually comes from my podcast, Texting in Church, with Kara and Andy. So this is a bonus episode that is coming from that podcast that I do with Kara, but I still thought it would be a good idea to have it on my main feed and the Winter Faith podcast. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation about Rachel Held Evans. The next voice you will hear will be Rachel herself, just to give you, give you an idea of who she was. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. When I'm feeling discouraged, but a lot of times people would say to me after just like a tweet or a blog post or whatever it is, wow, you're just really prophetic, Rachel. That was real. You're a prophet. And I was getting a little uncomfortable with that language for a lot of reasons, but mainly because like, I feel like I am way too comfortable to be a prophet, you know, uh, that speaking prophetically consistently often comes at great great cost and I just when I look at my life and my work it has come at some cost sometimes but for the most part I've been pretty richly rewarded for that work and I found a lot of people who are again supportive and encouraging all right so today we're going to um, talk a little bit about um, Rachel Held Evans. She was an influence um, for Andy and I, and we're just going to basically, as we've kind of Andy and I have reflected over this week of um, of her passing at such a young age, unexpectedly, um, we're just going to talk about the five things that um, that influenced us, that we learned the most from her, that we we glean the most from her. Um, so I'll start us off, Andy. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe even before you start us off, maybe just personally, um, is there anything, I guess, that you just want to start off about just talking about how you heard about her passing? I know I didn't prepare you for that. Sorry, but I just, I thought that I should. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it's crazy as I've just been reflecting on her death because about a month ago I was in um, San Francisco um, at Y Christian and that was a conference that her and Nadia Boltz Weber um, had put on together. And so just seeing her on stage with all of her energy and just all of the different, just, um, just bringing her, she was a big, huge part of bringing all these different people um together who by all by all rights in my opinion shouldn't should not still 
love the Bible, love Jesus, love God, you know, like, um, and so she just had a force about her to, to bring those people together to the table as she talks about, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, but she just was a really great, um, just listening to her in different podcasts and books. Um, she just really welcomed questioning, but she did it from the way that for me, she just did it with a lot of grace and openness, um, with people that she would encounter and the topics that she would address. Yeah. So, um, okay. So the first thing that really impacted us about her was, um, she always talked, she talked about this idea of the Bible is a conversation starter. It's not a conversation, um, ender. And so we want to talk about, uh, how this Jewish view of the Bible versus the Christian view of the Bible, um, kind of when she would talk about those things, how that influenced Andy and I. So Andy, tell us more about your thoughts on that. So I think for me, she, along with a handful of other people, always taught me to talk about the Bible and have discussion about the Bible um, in helpful ways that it's okay to have different viewpoints about verses. And, And she was a person like myself and like you who grew up in a very Bible centric church. And that's a, that was a big, big part of our faith. And you would have people who would kind of say, um, I think that we Christians can serve in the military. And here's the verses that I have to back my support about that. And then we'll say, well, I'm a Christian and I think Christians should be pacifists. And here's my Bible verses to back that up. And we kind of like have um, little arguments where we both use, you know, proof texting to talk about this issue. And she, in her book, Inspired, which is her most recent book, just talks about having, you know, this idea of like evangelical, maybe not Christianity, but at least evangelical Christianity has an idea of, okay, this is what the Bible says, and that ends the discussion. Mm-hmm. And, and the Jewish view of the Bible, you know, they had different rabbis that would have different views on different verses. And even in the Bible, Jesus talks about, you know, rabbis having different views about divorce. And so the Bible is a conversation starter. It's where you talk about something. It's not, okay, Kara, this is why you're wrong. Um, You know, first opinion seven, and that's it, you know? And so that, that was a big influence that, that she talks about. And she does it, like we've said earlier, she does it on a much, much, much wider range than what me and you have, you know, she brought this idea to, you know, a lot, a lot of people and on a more popular level, but gave a really important truth about the the Bible. Yeah. 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 I think that she always like this idea of like, I always grew up and saw things as like the Bible being like the final mic drop, basically like boom in your face. And like, and, and, and I just reflecting on, um, just even as you're talking, just like, man, how many times because of how I was raised did that to people. And so I cut off and so many opportunities because, because I was taught to, to use it like in that way. And, and that's not, that's not welcoming people to into conversation into being at the table. Um, you know, it was just very, I think a lot of what that the work that she did in, in the way that she spoke about that, um, just kind of broadened, broadened my view of like, 
being, being more open, I guess. Um, but I mean, and she was just a part of my spiritual journey that helped affirm this things, you know, but, um, but yeah, like I, we look at it like it's a, it's a battle. Like it's our battle thing that we have to use. And she just loved the Bible so much that it was a book to bring people together. I feel like. Right. Absolutely. The second thing that I've, um, you know, just going through this list of, of five things we learned from, from Rachel Held Evans. The second thing was a better understanding of Proverbs 31. So I am not a female. <laughs> I did not grow up <laughs> any sort of uh, great um, feelings about Romans 31, you know? Proverbs 31? Pro- Pro- yeah, what did I say? Romans Oh my goodness. Oh man, that's <laughs> wow. Freudian. You're adding, you're adding um, things in the Bible. You're adding. <laughs> wow. Oh man. Adding chapters. Um, <laughs> Proverbs 31 was yeah. not used in a positive or negative way for me. I don't really have any big feelings about it. I do have one story about Proverbs 31, which is my church did um, youth group activities where we would go camping for a whole week. And um, my very good friend and supporter of the show, um, Tanya Lowe, she, um, we have something in our church where we go on this long trip and we give a gift to the adults that go, go with us. And so I actually wrote down all of Proverbs 31 and gave it to her as a gift Mm-hmm. Which, like, looking back on it, I hope was a good thing to do. Mm, was, I don't know. Uh, that's really my only story about Proverbs 31. But now, you know, being married, having really good relationship with, with women, you know, like yourself and, and my wife and thinking about, you know, my daughter. It's like Proverbs mm-hmm. 31, for some people, is a very, like, guilt trip ridden thing mm-hmm. of not my understanding of not being enough of a good wife or a good mother. So she had some of that baggage with Proverbs 31. And she talks about Proverbs 31. Originally, from a Jewish perspective, Proverbs 31 was something that men would memorize. Mm -hmm. And it was all about, you know, Proverbs is a book written specifically from a father to a son. And it's written from a father to to a son to understand what they should be looking for. And it's not even written necessarily to women. Um, but about women. And so she talks about being a woman of valor and being Proverbs 31, you know, to be a better understanding of what Proverbs 31 actually was meant to be. And she Mm -hmm. talks about this in her book, A Year of Biblical Womanhood, where she tries to live out some of the Bible literally, which is very, very funny. And I hope we get into a little bit of detail of some of the stuff that she did. Um, and one story that I remember about that book is that she called her husband master, <laughs> which yeah. is something the Bible talks about and how that was just, you know, so weird for her husband and probably weird for her, that, yeah. you know, just to understand, but that's one small story, but she tried to live out, you know, she, she, uh, talks about living in the backyard in a tent during mm-hmm. her <laughs> period yeah, yeah, yeah. She slept in the backyard because she was supposed to be yeah. separate from her husband during yeah. that time of the. Of well, the, and, yeah. So, and Proverbs we'll go, 31. 
Yeah. And so like going back to the Proverbs 31, like for me, and I know so many of my friends, we've always, that has always been presented to us as like a checklist, as like an expectation. Like there's so much, like if you go to Christian bookstores online or at stores, like, like brick and mortar, like these are these books of like how to be a Proverbs 31 woman get up at 4 a.m and start making the laundry and make him breakfast and then go sell your stuff and you're like come on like and and not only that but like she, and I, she also I hate this too and she mentions this in some one of her talks she's like and they're all like really pretty like pink rosy books mm. and stuff like that like I don't know or like praying to be the Proverbs 31 woman and I'm like it feels very one-sided or it ha- you know presented one-sided and so i think what rachel just does like okay so for 31 in the very first part of that it's a cr- acrostic acrostic yes I was about to say of the Hebrew language. Yeah. And of and so it's a poem. So a poem is open for interpretation always. Um, and so, but like what you said is the very first part of that poem says women of valor. And so in the Hebrew, um, when I've heard her speak on different like in a podcast, it was this basically this woman of valor was a like like a you go girl, you know, and just an encouragement for women. And not only that, but it, this is a poem that like, she said, she said a story that one of her Jewish female friends, her husband always reads this poem to her. And so it's like an honoring of like, you are my wife and I'm honoring you. And that is just a different way of how church culture has seen this book. And I think she does that with so many other things. Like for example, um, like she just pulls out great stories about women. Like she's talked about, you know, well, women, oh, charm is inside and women of quiet, quietness and stillness. That's a woman to be honored or whatever that verse is. And she, like, and when she always brings out these other women, like, ha, uh, like Deborah, who was like ruler judge of Israel, which was like awesome. And she kind of like, and the men look to her to fight for their battle, you know. And then she talks about, um, is it uh, Jephthah? The story of Jephthah, um, who had a horrific, um, horrific story, but how she like honors her in one in her year of biblical womanhood. And so, just Rachel Held Evans, she just really um, took those little details or those stories in the Bible that the Christian culture has used in so many ways and said, Hey, like, let's maybe look at this a different way. And it was just more, um, I think the reason there's such an impact is those things that she, those scriptures that she dug into that people had hated for so long, that women had hated for so long, or just like stuck, stayed away from, she really, um, what am I trying to say? Like she opened up grace for it and she opened up like a um, more of, hey, let's like look at this. And so you felt more like loved by God as she presents those stories in the Bible. So just to add to that, Rachel really was like, let's talk about her character. She was mm-hmm. a person of valor. She was a woman of valor. When I heard her on a podcast, when I heard her speak at ACU, I'm sure when you saw her live, Mm-hmm. She says things that, you know, maybe are um, challenging, mm-hmm. but I never felt like she was a jerk. No. Ever. Ever. Yeah. ever. No. Never. Not in one interview, not in one tweet. I always felt like her heart was so pure and so kind and so gentle. And I think yeah. that's what gets me is gets me emotional is just 
her, I really think she's done great academic work. She's done great um, ministry, but her lasting impact on me is who she was as a person, Mm -hmm. her character. You know, I listen to a lot of people who critique the Bible, a lot of podcasts who critique the Bible. I do probably listen to more men than women and there are people and I'm not going to drop names, but there are people who I don't like, I agree with them academically, but I don't like them very much as a person. Yeah. I never felt that way yeah. with, with Rachel Health Evans yeah. ever. Yeah. I mean, she really presented this, uh, this, uh, she really presented herself as a person who was kind and approachable, which then I think with, and grace, which then I think opened up people to like, Hey, I kind of want to hear what she has to say. And then a lot of what she did say was really healing for people, right? Because she gave people another angle to think about things. And like, and even like allowed people to say, hey, like there is more than one lens to the Bible. And I know some of my friends were like, what? And then they're like, okay, like you're like, you're right. Like there is, there is another lens and that lens is actually more redeeming for me, you know? So. Absolutely. Why don't you get, uh, do number three for us? All right. Number three, marriage is about both submission to, for, and it's not just submission on one end, not just the wife and then parenting and marriage, it's a team. And so a lot of this idea is, um, uh, in the, this ACU summit podcast that we listen to, she talks about, cause in her year of women, biblical, um, biblical womanhood, I said that all wrong. Yeah, in her year when she did that, that basically that experiment, that experience, um, she like you said earlier, she talks about this idea where she called her her husband master, and she said that that was um, weird for him because their marriage was more of um, uh, equal, and so they they both had this idea. She's like, so the submission piece of things don't bother me. It's bec- and because she actually sees that when both in the book of the, you know, in the Bible, when it talks about submitting wives, submit your husbands, that husbands treat your wives like the church, like you, it, submission goes both ways. And actually when you're doing submission both ways, it makes your marriage better. Um, and so when she was doing the master thing, um, I think they both realized that their, their marriage where it was both submitting was actually a good way to go. Absolutely. And one of the things about that verse is that it says both wife and husband submit to Christ Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. way before it's talking about wives submitting. Right. And she modeled that with, with her marriage. She modeled that with her, you know, parenting style. I know that there's one, there's one verse and I think it's in Proverbs 31 where it talks about, I tried to look it up here. But her, um, oh, I found it. Uh, it says her husband is known at the city gates. And I think one thing, so she lives in a small town, uh, Dayton, Tennessee. And apparently she like made a sign that said like, welcome Dan to your home or something. And stood yeah, outside like Dan is awesome. Dan is awesome or something. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. yeah. And stood outside <laughs> and welcomed him into the, yeah. like, that is so creative. Right. So brilliant. And that's right. exactly what that verse is saying. Right. Because it's act like welcome the husband into his like that's a and you know, just like being being a husband now, like that is pretty awesome. Like I'm sure that he loved that. Uh, you yeah. know, and it's not being unfaithful, it's not being like 
it's not making fun of scripture. It's, no. it's like being a very, like, I don't know. You know, we, I think about just the ways that marriage, you know, I'm early, early in my marriage and just how much it is about like welcoming and loving and listening. And that works both ways. Like I cannot yeah. imagine a marriage. It's like one person listens and one person talks. Yeah. How, how in the world would that work? Right. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. And it was really interesting. Cause like, I mean, you would think that someone like Rachel Hall Evans would like be like, Oh heck no, I'm not doing that submission. Th-, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. when she res- responds or when she has that, she's like, actually, when I did that year of when I did that month, like that didn't bother me. And I was just like, Oh wow. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's like, again, like, man, just again, like, and like she would, she's like, I want to try this. And I'm going to do it with, like, I really want to experiment, but I also want to like bring fun into it, you know, and how yes. it relates to us. So like, it's re- like the she that whole book that she does with the, with that experiment is like, um, I don't know, like, I think it can, it welcomes us and to have a create, to welcome the creative side, the fun side of reading the Bible, you know, right. and because I think maybe it's not fun or whatever for some people. Then she just kind of re, for me, that's kind of what that, that whole experiment was like, she made it fun. Like it doesn't have to be stiff. It doesn't, your relationship with reading the Bible or with God does not have to be stiff or stoic or boring, but it can be fun, you know? And she and brought, so, like you've already said, she brought a lot of healing to your yeah. story. Yeah. And so it was interesting too, uh, when she talked about this submission idea, I was like, yeah, that's so true because submitting in order, if you both are submitting to each other, well, then good communication comes out of that or willingness to, to want to talk about things. Right. And so, um, like there's some things that in my marriage, like that, I'm like, I'm not talking about it for, I'm like, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not gonna, and like, and they're like, no, like we need to talk about this. And so then we'll both talk about it and like, Coyle say something and I'm like, oh, okay, well, now that I know that, let me, let me work on that and vice versa, right? But that only happens when we both submit to wanting to communicate with each other, which then makes the marriage better. So for me, this whole marriage verse idea, when I was kind of her reflections on that was like, it hit me in that a new way of like, oh, submitting is in communication, which then helps a marriage grow stronger and better. And you both become better. It's like iron sharpening iron, you know. That's right. I believe that's also in Proverbs. I, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, she, one more story about something she did specifically during that year is she cooked all of, she talks about this many times, she did everything on Thanksgiving by herself. Like she didn't want anybody's help. And she was like, that was the toughest month. Like when I had to do everything, all the house stuff myself. And I think it's because it was never meant to be that way. Right. You know, like we're supposed to help each other out. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, and about the submission part, like I like doing things for my wife. I like serving and, 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 um, doing things and maybe not everybody, not all husbands are like that. I get that. Um, but it's, it's a joy, like in a good marriage, it's a joy to serve the other person. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I guess you could word it as submission when you, you know, run errands for your wife. Cause she asks you to, but that's like a good, I, I'm fine doing that. I don't yeah. have any problem doing that. Yeah. Um, so number four, and I think this is probably her more 
you know, if there is anything controversy about her, controversial about her, it's honoring the number four of the things we learned from Rachel Hall Evans to honor the difficult parts of the Bible by studying it and not running away from tough issues. Mm-hmm. To honor the difficult parts of the Bible by studying it and not running away from the issues. So she was a person who grew up in church, who grew up reading the Bible, who went to Bible college and then uh, did more academic study on a, a high academic level. And so she does talk about, you know, the the slavery issue with the Bible, the um, women and how they're oppressed in different parts of the Bible, um, the LGBTQ uh, plus community and how they're talked about um, or how they're maybe to talked about or discussed or argued over using the Bible mm-hmm. and uh, genocide. That's a topic in the Bible. So talking about those tough issues by studying the Bible and talking about it, as opposed to um, I'm just going to run away from that issue. And for me, Kara, just specifically for me, this is what, this is the most challenging thing that she's done for me. Mm. Cause I don't always like talking about those tough issues in the Bible, especially in a more public form um at the way that she did and that's where she kind of motivates me challenges me and inspires me more than anything else um because there's there's issues that are you know i wonder okay the bible um talks about these issues in multiple ways what do i do with that text and i don't really at this period of time want to get into all the issues but just that idea of Mm -hmm. man she really challenges me in in and how um, I only want to talk about the things that I feel comfortable talking about, especially on my podcast or in a public way. Mm-hmm. And for her to be the person that she is, because I know she can take a lot of criticism just from her, um, from her changing churches, from her being a more public figure, she did take a lot of criticism. And uh, I'll be honest, I have not taken a lot of criticism. If I have, it's been like one-on-one in a room one time. Yeah. And so that man, she did an awesome job talking about those issues with a lot of grace, with a lot of kindness, but with a lot of harsh, you know, strong language and strong words. But then she always had a love for scripture. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And what do you think about that? Yeah. So it was interesting, like when um, I can't remember, maybe it was in a podcast, but like, I think I mentioned it before, like she, the difficult parts of the Bible, like, so the one story that I remember her telling is with the woman in the Bible jail who got raped and all that. And so she was like, I didn't know what to do with that. And I think that's horrible. And I don't know why. And so like everybody's instinct is like, oh, like, let's just never read that story. Like, let's not read about the times that women get raped or women get up, blah, blah, blah. Okay. We'll just pretend, you know, like we don't talk about those women. Um, and so instead of her, this is a great example of what she would do is instead of running away and sweeping it under the rug, she simply said, so I don't know why that is in the Bible or why that happened. And I don't like it. However, I'm going to honor her by, by with a candlelight and talking with my friend and we're going to tell her story together to honor her and that was actually the way that you know that was a jewish tradition that had has died um and she, that's a way that she just a really great example to me of how she took scripture that she made her uncomfortable but still said like you said that she loved the bible and so she still honored it in a really graceful way to really honor something that really horrible happened in the Bible that she might not have understood, but she still embraced it. Um, 
Absolutely. in a way that in the way that was very honoring, you know what I mean? And so it was just a really like, it's interesting. Like, that's an interesting take. I'm like, there's so many things in the Bible that like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And I've always kind of felt like people wanted answers from me. Like I should know, like all of these tough issues. Um, but she just, just Rachel's influence has just said, like, I don't know why and here, but here I want to honor it. And here's how I want to honor it and find really great ways to honor it, you know? And I just think that that's, um, I don't know. Like, I think that God kind of smiles at that. Like he, Absolutely. he likes that, you know what I mean? So, um, right. so yeah, just not, not stepping away from those hard issues. Yeah. Could you speak about how, I know that you've just talked about this earlier about her describing Hagar. Yeah. Yeah. What she did with the Hagar story. So Hagar's yeah. Like we, I think we always in that Hagar story, we always like just overlook Hagar and then there's Sarah and yay. And she's got a baby finally, you know, but Hagar is like a huge piece of, of this story and it's so good. And, um, when she is running into the desert spaces and just really confused and really sad, she is, she is the woman who names God. She gives him a name and it's the God who sees. And actually like that is the only name that someone, a human gives God ever in the Bible. And so, and of all things, it's the God who sees. Um, and so that is just, you know, she has mentioned that in her, um, in her books. And as I've read other women's commentaries, like that, the, again, again, like something of a small, a minor character that we sometimes overlook because we just don't know what to do with her story. We bring it to light of like what's really going on. And like, we miss, we miss that piece so much of like, wow, she was the only one who named God. Um, she was a female. She names God. She's the only one. And what she says about him is the God who sees me, you know, um, and just Rachel would just bring to light, um, those different s- scriptures for us to go, oh my gosh, like I can, re- I can, I can relate to Hagar. I can relate to whoever and say, man, there, God still loves me. He still sees me. I'm still valued, you know? And so that's, that's the wow. part of like, she says, let's embrace, let's honor those because if we skip over those, there's a lot of hurt that still is happening in the church. Absolutely. Okay, and that's my sermonette for that one. I'll get off it. Well, no, I think I kind of want you to go more just to help maybe people who don't know the story, because I just think there's people who don't know the story of Hagar. If you could go into who who she was real quickly. Yeah, so she was a, a slave of Sarah. And, um, and so basically what happens is Sarah can't get pregnant. So Sarah says, Hey, husband, have sex with Sarah, have sex with Hagar so that I can have my, this child that God has promised. So Sarah takes the, the plant, God promises them a child, but she is impatient. So she gets, says, Hagar, have sex with, with him. And so then she becomes pregnant and has a son and then there's Sarah's jealous of Hagar. And then there's a lot of like kicking Hagar um, gets kicked out of the camp. And yep. so she's in the desert. And, uh, and that's when she names God because she just feels like she's at the end of her rope. And, but, and there's, and the interesting thing is, is like, God says, go back, you know, and which is crazy to me. That's a whole nother, I could do a whole nother podcast on that but God says go back and um but I will give you you go back and I will give you um 
you like your name will be known and your son's name will be known. And, um, that's okay. That's that story in a nutshell. Yeah. And so Hagar is read more. Everybody yeah, should so, read more. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so Hagar births Ishmael. Yeah. And this is Abram's wife. Yep. And is a Egyptian slave girl is how yep. she's described in the Bible. Yeah. So we got to think about the person that names, that gives a name, the only person in scripture that gives a name to God is a Egyptian slave girl kicked out of camp. Yep. And that, you know, fast forward, that's the story of even um, Exodus. You know, they don't know who, the Israelites don't know who God is. And when you even fast forward even more, like Jesus is trying to reclaim who God is to mm-hmm. people, that God's a person that gives sacrifice and God's a person that loves enemies. And so I just feel like so much of the Jewish faith, uh, Christianity's faith, back to the Jewish faith, and then also Islam is really about this relationship with Abram and, and Hagar. Like it really right. goes back all the way to that story. And yeah, it's just something that we probably do not talk about enough. Mm-hmm. And just something we need to, you know, she has helped us relearn that story in really positive ways. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to close us out with uh, number five of yeah. the we've learned. So uh, honor, honor the doubt in faith. So doubt is definitely a part of faith. Um, and she always talked about this idea of like, you are not alone in your doubt or confusion, you know, keep going on the journey basically. Um and so this whole idea of you, that's just doubting is part of, of the journey. And then that is okay. And that doesn't mean like you're, you're no longer, you no longer love the Bible or you no longer love God, or you no longer this or that, which I think we get so scared of when people are like, you know, I'm really doubting this. Like, I just don't believe this today. or I'm having trouble believing this. And we just, we get freaked out when our fellow, um, when our brothers and sisters, do that, you know, in Christ. And so we're just like, don't do that. That's bad. And you're like, no, like she really just said, like, it's a part of the journey and that's okay. And like, in fact, like if you're not doubting a little bit, then like, how can you actually have your own faith that grows, um, and mature. Right. And so, um, so she really, really encouraged people to search, to doubt, to dig deep, to interpret the Bible, like, and, um, and go on their journey. And then like, you, you know, in the idea of like, you're not alone because that can feel like a very lonely journey. Um, when you go through that journey, right? Like, um, man, when I kind of went through that journey on my own, I, I wish that I had knew when I was going through this journey, like, I wish I had known that she was a writer or known about her. I don't think she was writing yet when I was kind of going through this, but it was, it was super lonely. And I was scared to tell certain people or like when I would tell certain people, there would be like these like weird, like looks or like, Hey, Kara, we're going to pray for your soul. You know, like, and I was like, I'm okay guys. Like I really do. I just, this is just a piece of my journey to grow in my faith. And I don't know. I don't know why our culture just is doubt is a bad thing. I don't, I don't right. know what that's about. And maybe it's because if you doubt, then like what is next and everything's going to, the bottom's going to fall out, which I don't think that that's true. I think that that's a lie that we've been told. Absolutely. It is. One of my firm beliefs is doubt is a part of authentic faith. Mm-hmm. That the opposite of doubt is, or the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is apathy. 
if you're doubting, that means you're struggling. You know, even Israel means um, wrestling with God. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Jacob in the Bible, going back to another Genesis story, Jacob literally wrestles with God, you know, and changed his name to Israel. And so it's okay. Like, but you're right. It's been completely confused in our culture that doubt is this bad thing. Right. Even the, you know, going to Jesus and the story of Thomas that we call him doubting Thomas. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not a bad thing. Like Jesus was like, what, why do you doubt me? He's like, no, you know, look at my, look at my hands, look at my side. You can see where the nails were. Like he didn't condemn him for wrestling with his belief. There's a person that Jesus heals in the Bible and the person says, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect example of like, honor. I think it's honoring to God when we doubt. And I think that's what Rachel's words do. I think they honor God. And Rachel says like, your doubt and your questioning and your confusion are, it's not too big for God. Right. Like, look right. at the story of Job. Look right. at the story of David and Solomon all and, and Jacob and Abraham and right. All these people had tons of issues and I just named all men, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, because women never had that. I'm just kidding. No, like, yeah, that's uh, right. Um, (laughs) so no, that's so not true. Um, no, but like, it's so true. Like there's just like some of my friends, they're going through this process right now and they're like, Kara, today I feel like I don't want to be at church. And I just think it's all a bunch of crap. And I said, okay, that's where you're at. And right. you'll be, you're going to be okay. Like I'll, I'm going to, I'll walk with you and journey with you and it's going to be okay. And like, I don't know, like, I feel like for me, like when I did do that whole like dark night, the dark night of the soul thing and deconstruction, like I came out of that, um, so much closer to God and the Trinity just like, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, um, it's just so much deeper. It's so much more enriched. And so like, we should be encouraging people to walk through those, those moments of their life. We should totally, because they're going to come out on the other end, so much more enriched and deepened in their faith with God. Absolutely. Why don't we let people do that? Anyway. I I mean, I think we're trying, I think we're, I think, you know, I think we're trying that. So a lot of this, when, if you guys want to see, her work about this subject. It's called Searching for Sunday. Um, Searching for Sunday was was the book. That's been my most influential book that she's written because um, it talks about what I like talking about. And yeah. that book, she breaks down the seven sacraments of the Catholic Church. And through her understanding of the sacraments, she's searching for Sunday. And she, you know, she is a millennial. We're both millennials. We're on the older side. Mm-hmm. millennials i always like to say i'm an old millennial so because i know they take a lot of trash so um she says millennials aren't looking for like a better worship service or better um experience they're just looking for authentic people mm-hmm. of faith right that's what searching for sunday is all about right it is her and i can't remember the subtitle but it's something along the lines of like I left the church and then I came back to church and and now I love it even more. Right. Um, or I left the Bible and came back to the Bible and now I love it. And it's, yeah. it's searching for Sunday. Right. And so maybe go ahead. Sorry. 
I was going to say, there's a quote that I really love by her that talks about like kind of this idea of like, it says the gospel doesn't need a coalition devoted to keeping the wrong people out. It needs a family of sinners saved by grace, committed to tearing down the walls, throwing open the doors and shouting, welcome, there's bread and wine, come eat with us and talk. This isn't a kingdom for the worthy. It's a kingdom for the hungry. Mm. Um, And so that idea of like, yeah, like you're saying, we that's what we need. We don't need what it's looked like for so many years. We need it to look different. It has to look different in order to welcome people to the table in order to welcome, you know, she just is always good. Like, you know, I always talk about this idea of welcoming to the people to the table. And she always talks about like how the table is infinite. The table is not, is so wide and long that it never ends to welcome people through the doors at the table and that's what we should be doing is inspiring people to do just that. Well, that's a very Jesus thing to do. You think about he got criticized for eating, eating with the wrong people yep. for letting women touch him and talking to women when he wasn't supposed to right? Uh, for welcoming sinners and sitting with them for welcoming tax collectors and forgiving them for um, spending time with prostitutes. I mean, Jesus was criticized for being too well, too welcoming. Mm-hmm basically. Right. Um, so let's maybe close this off by just naming some of her works. Just, I want to tell people where they can learn more about her. If there are people who are listening that have no idea who she is, then that's fine. And so I just want to, um, if you and me can maybe look up a list, I can do some by memory, but if maybe you could look up her um, books and then I'll name where I've listened to her on, on some podcasts. Okay. So um, Rachel is um, doesn't have her own podcast, but I recently listened to her on the Jen Hatmaker podcast, which is called, um, let me make sure I get the title right, For the Love podcast by Jen Hatmaker. Jen Hatmaker just released her Rachel Held Evans tribute. And so that just came out on Wednesday. She Rachel has been on the Bible for Normal People podcast with Pete Enns. She's been on there at least two or three times. Rachel Held Evans on the Bible for Normal People. She's also been on the podcast, The Liturgist podcast with Michael Gunger and Science Mike. And I believe she was on episode three and maybe episode like 19. And so those are three podcasts that I listen to a lot. I know that she's been on other podcasts as well. And we've referenced a couple of her books, but her first, if you want to start her first, first book yeah, um, called Faith Unraveled. I be- Wait, that's not her first book. I'm sure. Sh- I'm sorry. No, it's a year, uh, a year of biblical womanhood. Okay. And- and the subtitle is how a liberated woman found herself sitting on her roof, covering her head and calling her husband master. Um, and then there's searching, searching for Sunday, loving, leaving and finding the church. And then there is, Oh no, they're out of order. Inspired, inspired is the newest one. Yeah. Faith unraveled. And then inspired is her, uh, yeah, the latest book. Yeah. So, so, okay. I learned this just now. Her book, Faith Unraveled, was actually her first book, but they changed the title. Oh, so okay. Her first, first book was called Evolving in Monkey Town. 
which oh, is yeah. funny. So that. she grew up for people that know some history, the scope monkey trial, which took place in Eastern Tennessee, where she grew up. She wrote a book about, about her faith journey. And then they retitled it called faith unraveled. Mm-hmm. So they re-released that book after she kind of became a big deal with a year of biblical womanhood. So, yeah. so anyways, those are four books and three different podcasts that she's been on. She's also, you know, closer to home with us for those Church of Christ people out there. She has spoken at the ACU lectureships twice, I believe, mm-hmm. yeah. 2011 and 2012. And I really encourage you to, to listen to those. And then you've seen her in person at what she started, which was the evolving faith. Is that, no, is that right? Well, for for a couple of years, they did Why Christian, and now this upcoming October, they've changed the conference. They're evolving. They're evolving the conference to Evolving Faith. So they're moving away from Why Christian to Evolving Faith. So yes, so um, she's a huge part of both of those conferences um, and making those happen. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. What a tragedy. Um, You guys, if you do want to learn more, you know, about, about her life. We're always open to, you know, to talking to people and um, yeah, it's, it's so good to honor her, but it's so, so bittersweet. Um, I did read something that they're going to, she has a book in the, in uh, that will be released in 2020. Mm. I don't know the title. Of it. I think it's untitled, but she does, she was working on another book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so think- yeah, she has two young kids. I believe mm-hmm. her daughter just turned one. Yeah. Yeah. One, one year old and a three-year-old. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's pretty heartbreaking when I think about it. Yeah. Um, And you know, and she was, I think the, she was four people, which is an article that I read is she was four people in all sorts of ways, whether it was with her family, friends, community. So when she went speaking, she was four people and was like, even people that would have been really challenged her views on the more conservative side, she was still for, for them to understand them, you know? So I think that's why people love her so much is she was actually for people. Thank you everyone for listening to our episode in honor of Rachel Held Evans. Karen, and I just want you to know, we really appreciate you guys listening We ask you to check us out on Instagram at Texting in Church and also on Facebook at Texting in Church with Kara and Andy.